Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to do something a little bit malicious, try and break the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Mr. Aaron MN. I don't need one, huh? My primary function at work is to drive the route truck. I take finished product from our facility to our distribution center, deliver and or pick up parts from storage, occasionally take materials to other company facilities in the metro area. I'm also responsible for filling the fuel tank, it's a diesel and I can't bring myself to call it a gas tank. I would ask my immediate team lead for his corporate card on fill up days. This worked okay. I'd return the card with receipt for his expense report when I got back to the shop. I was never completely comfortable with carrying someone else's card, so I asked our supervisor if I could get my own card. You don't need one, you can use the team lead's card. I say, what happens if he's not in? You still don't need one. This continued for about a year. Now, some of you might see where this is going. Everyone else at work saw where this was going in real time. Everyone except supervisor, apparently. A quick word on my supervisor, she's actually quite smart and highly competent and capable. She also has a tendency to reject outright ideas that aren't hers. Team lead called out on a day I needed to fill the tank. I say, supervisor, I need to fill the tank and team leads out. May I borrow your card? They say, uh, why? I say, because I don't want to be stranded on the side of the road with an empty tank and seven digits worth of the company's stuff in bad part of town. This is unlikely to happen as I generally don't let the tank get lower than 25% full for that very reason, but it's the principle of the thing. They say, uh... I say, I suppose I can go get your boss's card if you don't have yours. They say, no, don't do that. You can use mine. So she gave me her corporate card. All went as per usual. When I got back, I gave her back her card and the receipt for her expense report. Next day, I clock in, start checking my emails, and supervisor power walks to my desk. Let's get you your own card today. I say, I don't need one, remember? I can use team leads or yours, right? They say, uh... I say, I don't know if I'm grown up enough, 47 and 6 years older than supervisor, to handle the company's money. That got me a stink eye. Do you need a note from my mother? Closed her eyes, took a deep breath, company portal, find the... I realized twisting the knife a little wasn't nice, but it felt really good. Yeah, I got my own card. If you were in a situation where higher-ups or management did have company cards, considering you do regularly use those cards to purchase things but you're not on a management level, would the thought of asking for your own personal card make you uncomfortable because you're not really management? Or considering you do make those purchases, would you feel like it's natural to ask for one? 
I'd like to hear what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Absurdity18. You must call if you are sick, no exceptions. After reading a similar post about stupid management policies, I figured I'd share one of my many experiences while working for a major Australian telco slash ISP. Aussies in the room will know who. Our department management in their infinite wisdom introduced a new rule that if you were sick, you had to call and speak to your team lead at least three hours before your shift started, no exceptions ever. Such was their intelligence, they announced this new super well thought out rule in one of their email blasts, containing so much drivel that no one ever actually read them. They were akin to internal spam, and we joked amongst ourselves that if the company's spam filters were any good, like our marketing team spins them to be, they'd get blocked. I'll admit, ignorance is no excuse, but I was definitely one of those people who ignored these emails, so... I had no idea about the rule until a few days later when I'd woken up feeling unwell. Now, my shifts that week started at 6am, which meant that I usually woke around 4.30am, so once I knew I was too unwell, I sent a sorry but I'm unwell today etc. email to my team lead. I should mention here that prior to this new rule, an email was perfectly okay, though there was never a firm rule about a method just as long as it was reasonable notice. On the few occasions I'd have to call off sick before, never for a 6am start, I'd always made a phone call, an expectation from previous jobs, which I've always carried with me. This one time though, I figured, hey, it's 4.30am, an email would be better received by my team lead than waking up at stupid o'clock. Nope. Wrong. Turns out my 4.30 a.m. email wasn't good enough, and I got my butt hauled into a meeting with HR and my team lead when I was back at work the next day. Of course, I accepted that I didn't read the email with the new rule. My bad. But when I tried to put forward my point about the unreasonable time to call, I was told that it was absolutely no excuse that I should have been more responsible and called on time, that I was not being asked for my opinion on rules or policies, and that I had to follow them to the letter, or else I'd face a formal warning, etc. They weren't going to budge, and I wasn't going to make this my hill to die on, so I let them have their moment and afterwards went back to my desk. I joked with a few colleagues that I would just set an extra alarm for 2.50am from then on, just just in case, but knuckles now red from their slapping and butt now sore from their kicking, I figured I really would play HR's game if that's what they wanted. I figured if I felt sick, I'd call in by 3am, else I'd go back to sleep and wake up at my usual time. Stupid, yes, but that's the rules. A few days later, I woke up to my first alarm feeling unwell again and knew I wasn't going to be fit for work come my scheduled start at 6am. I certainly wouldn't admit to being happy and certainly wasn't uncontrollably smiling as I picked up my phone, called up my team lead, and waited for an answer. Didn't get her the first time, surprise surprise, so I figured I'd call again, you know, just to be sure. This time I got lucky and heard a groggy, hello, on the other end. I gave the formalities, told her I was off sick again, and hung up. I could tell she was positively thrilled to be woken up so early, but hey, it's what they wanted. The next day, I was fine and was back at work without drama, but the next day a stomach bug hit the office, and my entire team, team lead included, all rostered on for 6am starts that week, ended up leaving early. I'm sure you can paint the rest of this picture. Cue two days of 3am phone calls from every one of the 10 people in my team. 
Cue my team lead getting more pissed with each one. Cue HR adding a small bit to the next week's usual drivel mail. I was sure to read this one. Not rescinding the rule, but instead patting themselves on the back for coming up with the addition of sending a short email to your team lead, now being a suitable form of advising illness. Such intelligence. I worked there for another four months before moving on to much greener pastures and was sick only a few more occasions during that period, all of which were for 6am starts, and all of which I was sure to ring at 3am. Hey, that's what the rule said. Now I don't know how it works in Australia, but I feel like there has to be some level of not necessarily legalness to this, and like, let's say you're getting ready for work, Let's say you were up three hours ahead of time for a 6am shift for some reason, and it's an hour and a half before work, and all of a sudden you start feeling terrible, you throw up, you're gonna get in trouble because your symptoms only popped up an hour and a half before your shift. What are you legitimately supposed to do? Our next story is by Fug Runner. I'll gladly give you my mom's information so you can collect your money. Years back, my mom's health got to the point I had to put her in a nursing home because she needed more care than I could provide. She had several rounds of going to the hospital and back to the care facility. The last time as her organs were shutting down, a surgeon came in once a day for three days in a row. Every time, he said she's too sick to operate on and left. Hard decision was made to remove life support and she passed. I started being hounded by the surgeon's collection department wanting $900 for his services. I always gave them her insurance info that they would need to collect from them. After three months of several calls a week, the lady threatened my credit. I informed her that she had went from a care facility to the hospital and I hadn't signed anything and challenged her to find it on any documents. She asked if I could update my mother's info, so I did. I gave her the phone number, address, and informed her that that was the address of the cemetery she was buried in and I could get the plot number but would need to look it up. The lady apologized and I never heard from them again. First of all, my condolences to OP, but I do think that that is one of the greatest responses to a debt collector I can imagine. As painful as the situation must have been, and how annoying and hurtful it must have been for them to be constantly hounding OP, I know if I was in OP's shoes, I would be feeling so satisfied just being able to kind of really slap them with that information. Literally like one step removed from, let me go contact the medium, you want me to get her on the line? I'd be giving these people some serious ass. This next story is by Additional Decision 6. No key? No problem. This happened several years ago at my side gig. I worked in a small retail tax office. Most of the tax preppers had been there for years and had been through multiple office managers. Office managers tended to come and go every other season or so, so those veterans of us typically knew much more about running the business than they did, and certainly more about tax prep. The cast is new office manager and me. I said, nice to meet you new office manager. I've been in this office for about 10 years now and I'm your evening and weekend guy. I close the office on weeknights and on weekends, I'm usually your opener. The new office manager said, great. I said, I'll need a key to the office. They said, no, I'm only giving out two keys, one to X and the other to Y. I say, what happens if neither of them are here to open or close? The new office manager says, you can call me and I'll come. 
This is what I call a self-correcting problem, so I didn't even argue. Predictably, two or three days later, circa 9.30pm, I looked around the office and neither X nor Y was there. I said, does anyone have a key? Nobody said anything. So, knowing that new office manager lived about 45 minutes from the office, I called her. I said, hi new office manager, we're ready to close. How soon can you be here to lock up? They said slurred, uh, huh? Hard to slur, huh, but she managed. I said, no one has a key, and you said you'd be available to lock up. We're closing in 10 minutes, so we need you to come lock the door. You said no overtime, so we're leaving. The office will be unlocked until you get here. They say, uh, there's a spare key hidden in my office. Directs me to the spare, then says, lock up and slide the key back under the door. I say, okay, I'll do that. I'm opening tomorrow, so I'll see you at 8. I have an 8.30 client, so make sure you're here. They said, just keep the key. Turns out she lied on her resume. She did not have any retail management experience, but she had worked at a TJ Maxx for a few weeks. She worked at a TJ Maxx for a few weeks? My God, let's give her CEO. It doesn't take a super genius to realize. If OP's there alone and nobody's around and you're not there, it's gonna be pretty darn sucky for you to drive all the way there to lock up the place. Like OP said, it was a self-correcting problem. And our final story of the day is by Captcha Carl. Stick to your crappy wedding playlist? Okay. Prior to 2020, I was a wedding DJ. I started DJing for friends right after college and gradually got more and more gigs through word of mouth. Like any new endeavor, in the beginning, my services were priced aggressively low to get business. Also, I was more willing to travel long distances to get a gig and a good review. A few years in and I had enough clout to be choosier about my gigs, but one day, I got an email from the friend of a former bride. She asked if I could do the same package, which included a lower price and a distance farther than I like to travel. I decided it was worth it. The weekend was open, and I was likely to get a good review. The wedding's going fine, and we're about an hour into the dancing when the bride's sister approaches and asks me to play some 90s pop song, Britney or something, I don't recall exactly. I oblige and turn it on. Within seconds, the bride stumbles over to me and screams, Do not play anything that witch asks for. This song is on my do not playlist. Stick to the playlist I gave you. I'm very taken aback. A key tenet of DJing is understanding what songs a client does not want to hear. I quickly look through the Do Not playlist, and this song is definitely not on it. Furthermore, the playlist the bride had provided sucked. I normally tell couples that I'll stick to their list, but if the party needs more oomph, I will go and do my own thing. After all, hopefully a DJ can adapt to the moment better than a pre-made playlist, but after giving this bride a discount, driving farther than I wanted, and being drunkenly berated for something that wasn't even true, I just didn't care. For the next hour and a half, I only played the worst songs from her list and didn't even try to create a flow. The party totally died. I never got that review worth it. I don't know about OP, but if I'm in this situation and somebody came up to me and was like, put some Britney on, and I got kicked back for it and I just had to find my own flow, that's when you just break out like Sweet Caroline and hope the white people turn up. (laughs) That's when you turn on the Dancing Queen and you just hope the room explodes and you pick it back up again. I'm sure we could dig around here, figure out something that brings the party back, right? Honestly though, I don't really blame OP. They got underpaid, they went way out, just for the hope that maybe this would give them a good recommendation in the future. Ends up being some long, miserable night. 
Don't worry, I'll just cookie cutter it out for you, it's your wedding. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.